Welcome to Westside Podcast. Each week, we'll take a relevant topic under the microscope to see what the Bible has to say about it. You will gain tools and information you need to support your faith walk and build Christ-centered families in Kansas City and beyond. I'm your host, Troy Kennedy. Well, hey, everybody. It is great to be back. Hello, interwebs. We are back here with you to talk about more uh, equipping topics, things that we want to put in your pocket, to put in your heart that you can walk in the real world following Jesus. And uh, we just finished our last season of the podcast not that long ago, and you sent in all kinds of really interesting questions that are informing the nature of this whole series that we're jumping into right here. So uh, we have six different topics that you asked for, and we're going to bring it to you in who knows where this is going to go. It's pretty scary. But right. as always, I have my brother, my friend, Pastor Randy Frazee here to come and help us navigate some of these challenging issues. And today, another light topic, we're going to talk about heaven and what happens after you die. And so he just happens to have literally written the book, What Happens After You Die. If you're watching on YouTube, you just see the beauty of that that cover right now. Go out to Amazon, pick up your own copy. There you go. Um, <laughs> Sorry, christianbooks.com uh, or whoever your publisher is. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, we'll cut that part out later on. But so we are so glad to be here with you and just kind of talk about a, a topic that is really on a lot of people's hearts and minds and a lot of big question marks mm-hmm. that are out there for you. So, Randy, how you been? It's good to see you again. You've been, you were in Austin last week, or not Austin, but San Antonio, uh, San Antonio just last week. Of Austin, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With uh, your family, yeah. had a birthday. Celebrated my 40th birthday. 40 years again? 40 years again. Yeah, yeah. wow, that's, you're no, remarkable. That was a big 6-0 for me, so, uh, but I I, uh, the only time I uh, I'm, I know that I'm 60 is when I look in the mirror, but I feel <laughs> I feel great, and I know a lot of other yeah. people are struggling. And uh, for right now, I just thank God that He's given me the the health that I have, so I can yeah. be about His kingdom, yeah, which is what this is all about. Today. That's exactly what this is, and we're both really we would prefer to ha- we have faces for radio rather yeah. than yeah. the uh, <laughs> yeah. than the YouTubes. But we here we are, and we're going to go ahead and, and we're going to pursue this thing, talk about what happens after you die. And so in Randy's book, he's got all these different chapters laid out on. And all these different topics and all these topics have come up in your, as a pastor, your conversations with parishioners who have asked you any number of odd things. Yep. But we want to start with sort of the big ideas to begin with, and then we can get into some of the little more esoteric pieces. So, yeah. so Randy, what happens if I die with Jesus? That's a great question. I think the uh, this is something I really want to uh, stress because, Troy, um, uh, I continue to give people uh, the answer I'm getting ready to give you. Mm -hmm. And uh, even after I've spent hours with them, they still come back and haven't heard me. So I I, I really want to answer this question, uh, what happens uh, if I die with Christ? First of all, you need to know that there are three uh, phases in our life, not two, but three. And uh, this is the outline of the book. And I think it's really helpful right. to, for the second question right. we're going to ask, mm-hmm. what happens if you die? Without Christ. Without Christ, mm-hmm. okay? So for both those with Christ and without Christ, there's three phases. There's life now, right. which is basically from the time of conception to the time of death. But it's not really death. It's really the giving out of your body mm-hmm. that you got from Adam. Okay. So your body, because your spirit lives on. Right. The next phase is the one that most people are not familiar with. It's called life in between. Mm-hmm. In theological terms, it's called the intermediate state. So life now, from conception to the giving out of your body, right. life in between, 
Mm-hmm. And then the final stage is life forever, uh, which you might call eternity, but really eternity is just a concept for things have no beginning or end, right? right? So uh, if you die mm-hmm. or your first body, you know, the body of Adam, mm-hmm. gives when it gives out, uh, your spirit lives on. As a as a as a Christian, your yeah. spirit lives on, and the same thing is true for a non-believer. Your spirit lives on. Mm-hmm. Okay, now for a believer, they go to an intermediate state or an intermediate place right. that we'll call heaven. Now you got to keep in mind in the Bible, heaven simply refers, or the heavens simply refers to any place other than earth. Oh, so heaven doesn't refer to just it does refer to the abode of God, meaning the mm-hmm. abode of God is not on earth, right. but, but the he- heavens, as in yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. When I considered the heavens, uh, someplace heaven. else, someplace else, uh-huh. it's someplace else other than earth. So okay. when we say you go to heaven, right. um, that is true, but really the reality is the the life in between your it, for a believer, your spirit goes to be with God. Your spirit goes to be with God in the heavens, or the he- or heaven, the abode of God. Is that the same thing as <clears throat> Abraham's bosom or paradise? Or I mean, is that the same nomenclature or different names for the same thing? It's a little bit different. Okay. Uh, so the word, uh, so the the phrase of paradise or Abraham's bosom mm-hmm. can uh, paradise can refer to either the Garden of Eden, it can refer to Abraham's bosom, or it can refer to even the eternal kingdom. But oh. as it relates to the uh, the people who died, who who had faith in God, right. but the crucifixion of Christ had not actually forgiven their sins. Uh, and I'm kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, we, no, that's good. Should we do uh-huh. the little tangent here? Sure. Okay, so so pat, hold off on what happens to a person post crucifixion resurrection. Okay, who knows Christ? Right. What happens to them? Okay, so I'm going back. Should right. I do that? Yeah. Okay. So, so, and what do you call that period pre pre Christ? Uh, well, we would call that area the pre Christ period. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so well, that's so appropriate. Yeah. yeah so any, anything from anything from you know creation uh-huh. in in the Garden of Eden until Jesus paid. Okay. Uh, uh, for sin on the right. cross, okay. you know the the sacrifices of the of the of the of the blood sacrifices of the bulls and mm-hmm. of the lambs. So first covenant, old covenant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So old yeah. covenant, okay. new covenant. Yeah. So right. old covenant, new covenant. Uh, but it even goes prior to the covenant. You yeah. know, uh, you know yeah, uh-huh. all the way back. And so the idea is that um, the person who had faith in God mm-hmm. and was anticipating Christ, um, uh, but so they had faith. So in, in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, but they didn't have their sins forgiven because the Hebrews tells us that the blood of these animals actually could not forgive one's sin. Right. Uh, it was simply a, it was a foreshadowing of what was to come in the sacrifice of Christ. The idea is when a person in the Old Testament, uh, prior to the uh, Christ's crucifixion and resurrection, um, they could not go into the presence of God in his community because their sins had actually not been paid for yet. So they went to an intermediate place uh, called Abraham's bosom. It was actually, over the overall thing was called Hades. Right. Was, the right. whole place was called Hades. And if you look at Luke chapter, is it 16? Luke chapter 16, uh, there's a story of the rich man uh, and Lazarus. Remember, uh-huh. and the and they both die, and the rich man uh, goes to Hades, hell, right. rich man, and Lazarus goes to Abraham's. 
bosom. Right. Uh, and they're in the same place. But there's a chasm there's between a chasm, them. So, right. so think of a circle, uh, like a circle, and the southern hemisphere mm-hmm. is Hades. And then there's this like chasm where the person in Hades, the rich right. man, can look into mm-hmm. Abraham's bosom, which is the holding place for um, believers in God awaiting Awaiting. for the application of the blood of Jesus. So Abraham, Rahab, Moses, right? They're all Abraham's bosom, which is on that side of Hades. And then the other side we would say would be like say the Philistines or the pagans or the Canaanites or anybody who just hadn't had pointed their faith in the direction of, of yeah. Yahweh. So Rahab would be in Abraham's bosom, even though she was a Canaanite, right. because she had placed her faith in God. But a Canaanite or an Israelite, you know, for that matter, right. who did not place their faith in God on everything that they had, they're in a waiting, they're in a waiting place, a holding tank. Both uh-huh. of them are in a holding tank, gotcha. right? Okay, so the notion of the idea, and this is not a position that every single person holds, but it is a position that I hold, mm-hmm. is that uh, it talks about when Jesus was crucified, so he's paid the payment of our sins, right. is that he descended into the earth, okay? And uh-huh. uh, some people believe, I'm one of them, that th- where did Jesus' spirit go while he was waiting for the resurrection, I believe that he and the thief on the cross went to paradise. They, that is, they went to Abraham's bosom right. to retrieve all of the spirits of those prior to the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ, to retrieve them, to bring them into mm-hmm. the presence of God in heaven, in the heavens, in the abode of God, okay. because now their their sins have been paid for, okay? Does now, that have anything to do with the scripture that talks about Jesus uh, descending into hell, mm-hmm. the preaching to the prisoners, that's that what, first Peter, yeah, mm-hmm. right? And so so that's, that's perhaps that same kind of holding that same, place. Yeah, that's of, exactly okay. right, yep. Right. So um, so that's the, the, the idea of, of, the, of the, prior to the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. Yeah. Now, for a believer, to, so for a person today who's accepted Christ, and we're certainly gonna end on that, okay. what does that mean? So this uh, is after Jesus, right? Now, so so the we payment, have the pre-Jesus holding place, yep. Now we have a post-Jesus, a post-crucifixion, resurrection holding place. Yes, it's an intermediate state, except now when a person dies, which again, I repeat, they're not dying, okay? We can use the word death, but it's the- the physical death versus the spiritual death, the, 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 The perishable body that we've been given by Adam can't, make it any to eternity. It's a perishable body. Okay. Our spirit then has to be rid of it and goes uh, to be, uh, it goes to heaven or goes to be it with God. We can go directly into the presence of Jesus, directly into the presence of God because the sacrifice of Jesus was once and for all. Our right. sins are paid for, okay? So, so the veil is torn, the, the division is gone, sin is sin is taken care of, yep. and now even the spirit can be in the presence of God. To be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. And here's a big, here's a big deal. Uh, you can look it up if you like. The, as it relates to the intermediate state, the Old Testament virtually says nothing about it. Right. The New Testament has about three, maybe four verses uh, for me to for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, you know that that it, that it's it's a better it's 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 better a better place. But there, all of the teachings in Scripture about the afterlife are the third stage. So when you go to a funeral, right. uh, people will go. Well, Uncle Harry, let's say Uncle Harry was genuinely a believer. He's golfing right now. Right. No, he's not. No, he's not. No, no, he's not. He's not. Uh, he's going to be walking those pearly gates. Uh, not going yet. through. No, not yet. St. Yeah. Peter's going to be. Yeah, St. Peter's spirit's going to be there, but 
uh, there's no pearly gates, there's no streets of gold. Okay. That's coming later. Right. The vast majority of scriptures that talk about the afterlife mm-hmm. are talking about the the life forever. The new heaven, new earth. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Okay. So here's the deal. So when when a believer uh, when a believer's dies or their body gives out, their spirit goes to heaven or the heavens to the abode of God to be with Jesus. We don't know anything much about that. We can ponder it, uh-huh. but we know it's better. We know it's good. We know it's safe, and right. we are waiting for the resurrection. Now, waiting. Right. You're not droning on waiting because right. you're likely out of space and time, and it's going to be like, oh, okay. my aunt Mary has been waiting for me for 30 years to get mm-hmm. there. Time doesn't flow. We don't believe time right, flows right, right. in 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 the heavens. It's kind of atemporal, yeah. right? So it's a different concept. So the big deal, this is the big deal in scriptures, and that is the whole New Testament is all pointing to the return of Christ. The return of Christ is a big deal. And at the return of Christ, uh, we will receive resurrected bodies like Jesus, Mm -hmm. okay? And we will not take those resurrected bodies up into the heavens, but rather uh, God is going to, Jesus is going to create a new earth Okay. And eternity is spent on earth. Right. That's where the golf comes in. Right. <laughs> Amen. Right, Praise right. the Lord. Well, and that's where next week comes in because we're going to start talking about end times a bit. So you're kind of <clears throat> leading us up to that point of, well, then when Jesus does come back, right, what does all that look like in, in respect to what we're talking about today? That's exactly right. So believers, so let me just, I'll, I'll say it one more time mm-hmm. and then we'll, we'll just we'll clarify what happens if you don't know Christ. Is okay. that okay? Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're a believer in Jesus, then what's gonna happen is when your body gives out, your mm-hmm. spirit is going to go be with the Lord in heaven, okay? In the abode of God, you're gonna be with Jesus and that's gonna be far better, okay? Yeah. Now, uh, you are waiting for the main event, which the New Testament mostly is is it is almost always talks about when it talks about the afterlife and that is the return of Christ a second time to earth mm-hmm. and when he does and we have to talk about this next week with yeah. end times in terms of multiple ideas on how right. that unfolds but what we all embrace is that when Jesus returns it's going to mark the end of this mm-hmm. of this earth and it's going to mark the beginning of the new there's going to be a judgment right. believers will bypass the great white throne judgment which we'll talk about next week mm-hmm. a little bit and uh and because our sins have been forgiven but we will have a judgment based upon our works on earth okay. and we'll talk about that next week as well and so when jesus returns we get a resurrected body our spirits are joined with our new resurrected body, just like Jesus at his resurrection. And it's an imperishable body that will last for eternity. There's no more Mm -hmm. death. And uh, we will not spend eternity in the heavens, uh, but we will spend it on a new earth. And that new earth can be a renovated earth, or it could be a completely, totally brand new earth. So and, and how that all lines up with the New Jerusalem and all of the apocalyptic imagery that we have in Revelation. And why is this is so exciting? Yeah. Is that um, does I mean maybe there's people that are excited about being a spirit being floating around in <laughs> at, at the atmosphere with the cherubs, with and, cherubs yeah. and you would like to sing all day because you're a great <laughs> singer, you know. But the majority of us are kind of like really, uh, and so there's just there's no sense of purpose. I'm a spirit being. Right, right. That is not not the picture right. of eternity. Right. Yeah, and I mean, people have that preconceptions, both of heaven and of hell, that heaven's going to be this ephemeral, sort of nebulous, never-ending clouds and nothingness, and but hell's going to be a party. Yeah. Right? All my friends are in hell, so that's where I want to be, and we're just going to at least be together, and we're going to party in hell. And 
So that's probably a, a preconception we need to undo as well. <laughs> you know, the, and I get it. You know, people make a lot of jokes today, and a lot of uh, self-righteous people in church make people go, hey, hell's a place for authentic people, and right. you know, and I get all that. But so right. a person without Christ, same thing, uh, their body gives out, and their spirit does live on, mm -hmm. okay, uh, except they're going to go to Hades. Yeah. They're going to go to that same place that the rich man went right. to, except the north, you know, I, I call it the northern chamber mm -hmm. called Abraham's bosom has been emptied out. And it's just them there. And it's referred to as the weeping and wailing and gnashing uh -huh. of teeth. Uh, and so we've tried, it's, it's darkness. Uh, I think the best description is that mm -hmm. there is a sense that I have, was given the freedom to choose and I did not choose and uh, God did not send me here. He merely honored my choice. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. And I would call that intermediate state for the non-believer as sort of like being on death row. So mm -hmm. if you wanna know what hell is like, you know, whether it's really a literal flame, can a mm -hmm. spirit feel a literal flame or not? Don't even worry about that. Um, I it's think- It's separation from God. It's separation yeah. from God, and it would be basically like, I think the best description would be, imagine that you are on death row, mm -hmm. and you know you're guilty, and you are simply waiting for the day of the execution. Yeah. That's, that's what hell in the intermediate state is like. And then uh, we'll talk about next week, mm -hmm. we'll talk about what happens at the great white throne judgment, at the return mm -hmm. of Jesus, those who are in hell and those who are on the earth at the time of Jesus' return who did not accept, right. uh, they will be placed before the great white throne judgment and there's gonna be two books that are opened up. And if your name's not written in the book of life, then you'll be cast right. into the lake of fire of which uh, we will chat about mm -hmm. in uh, next week. Yeah. Well, so yeah, so we punted a lot of stuff to next week, but you can want to definitely come back because all of these things are inter interconnected and interrelated. And uh, I think it's very interesting though when you talk about just like the holding place and uh, looking at it like it's uh, a death row. And it probably in that same sense, maybe it's got that non-temporal, um, you know, we're not really sure how time is perceived in that state other than there it is a, they know it's temporary, they know it's a holding place, they know that, that something is coming Right, a judgment is coming, just like the folks who were in Abraham's bosom do, and then on the return of Jesus. Well, wait. So there was the pre-Jesus, uh, pre Abrahamic, Old Covenant, right, which it's the same kind of thing, mm -hmm. same kind of two separate holding places. And then after Jesus is re uh, resurrected for the first time, mm -hmm. is there any change between those two so holding places? No, so the holding place, um, so for, first of all, let me also, well, actually we're gonna talk about this right there, it looks like, so mm -hmm. we're, we'll, we'll wait to, to make sure that when we talk about holding place, that people don't think we're talking about purgatory. That's okay. a different right, thing right. altogether. So this is a podcast where we get a chance right. to talk about a lot of things. So, so basically, for people who do not know Christ, there's only one holding place, mm -hmm. and it's, it's called Hades, or hell, right. or, you know, so that's what it's called. And, um, and that, that place, Hades, used to be the holding place for believers in God awaiting for the uh, sacrifice of Christ to be applied to right, them. Right. That, that, that part of the chamber of Hades was called Abraham's bosom, right? right. And so now, uh, people who don't know Christ are going to be joined up with the spirits of those who rejected God in mm -hmm. the Old Covenant mm -hmm. uh, and before, uh, with people in the New Covenant times, and they're in the same spot. Right, so I guess the reason I, I kind of drilled down on that is we have so much, we talk about hell, this is, 
um, there's a lot of preconceptions about it. And a lot of it comes from like literature, like uh, Dante's, yeah, right? Telling, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. And um, what's not the Divine Comedy? What's it called? Uh, Dante's Inferno. Yeah, Inferno. Yeah, yeah. Dante's Inferno. And so the idea of these several different layers of hell with different, you know, you have the different kinds of categories of sin, like sloth and mm-hmm. lust and the, these other areas. And you have demons that are, you know, with pitchforks and all that stuff. That is, all of that is non-biblical. Correct. Right. It's it's not in the Bible. Okay? No, no, it's you not. You can't find uh, there are other you know th- things that refer to demons in the spirit world and everything, but it's not like you. We have these preconceptions that we actually have cartoons and we make fun of that you have demons and devils that have little tails with you know arrows on the end of them and everything. But that's that's utterly unbiblical. Right? Yeah, and one of the things, that, the reason I think that it, it I, and I I read Dante's Towering Inferno in high school and had to reread it when I was uh, you know, could could actually understand it um, <laughs> was. Uh, was basically the one of the thing I think the challenges is is that I think Dante's work, even though I think it's amazing and it's very uh, it's it's very imaginative, mm-hmm. I think we get the idea that uh, I'm not as bad as Adolf Hitler, right. and so therefore right. God's gonna. I think it somehow gets right. you this idea that if I'm in hell, I'm right. at least not going to be in the same place as Adolf Hitler and right. and, uh, right, and right, those right. people. Yeah, so so I don't allow, at least I'm not a Hitler. You can always play that card. Right? Yeah, I'm not an axe murderer. <laughs> I'm going to be down there with them, and so I, I think that's one of the challenges. I, uh, the the Bible does not. I mean, maybe you could extrapolate some obscure passage, but we've talked about this right. before. We don't develop our main theologies on obscure passages. Right. Hell is hell, and uh, an eternal punishment, mm-hmm. as we'll talk about later, mm-hmm. is eternal punishment. And uh, we don't. Uh, th- th- there's not a lot more information. Right. So while we're kind of there, then there is a certain, uh, I, I guess, the Catholic sort of sect of Christianity. I'm not sure about the Orthodox uh, paths of Christianity, but. They have an idea called purgatory, yeah, um, and which is this idea. It's sort of a cleansing time, and you, and people can be prayed out of purgatory or pray that uh, their time in purgatory is shorter or more effective or whatever it is. What do we, what do we know about that? Yeah, uh, you know, again, and the Catholic Church is shifting and moving in their position on purgatory, so they don't necessarily hold the same okay. idea. I think, and again, I I don't want to I don't want to I I have a, a number of wonderful Catholic. Uh, friends, I was just with one yesterday uh, before I came back from um, from San Antonio, who is deeply, uh, deep, deeply engaging in his faith and 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 attends a Catholic uh, church. So, uh, it, but but in terms of Catholic theology, uh, one of the things you need to understand, as I understand and read and reread it, is that. Um, um, some people would say the Catholics, you know, believe it's work salvation, and it's not exactly exactly like that. Mm-hmm. What 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 I understand from uh, from my Catholic brothers and the readings is that Jesus is the forgiver of sins, mm-hmm. and He offers us grace through faith. However, uh, to receive grace, you have to continue to confess your sins, and you have to continue to receive grace. Mm -hmm. It's an ongoing thing. So that's why you go to confession to continually confess your sins. Jesus paid for it once for all, but you have to continually confess your sins, and you have to continually receive grace, which is the uh, Eucharist, mm-hmm. uh, which can only be administered through the ca- the, the true Catholic Church. Right, right. Uh, so, uh, what happens when you get behind on all of that? <laughs> Uh, you know right. what I'm saying? You get behind, you lapse. Uh, you are not pure to go into gotcha. he- into heaven to be with God, and so therefore, you, there's a period of purification mm-hmm. uh, whereby you are being, you know, you're being sort of 
purified, and it uh, and it's not a pretty thing. It's, it's kind of an atonement. Of, it's kind of, of an sorts. atonement. Yeah. A, paying the price uh -huh. it's kind of a boot camp it's kind of getting you ready the ultimate objective is to get you there but you're going to have to be ready where in the protestant church we would say jesus paid for our sins you know once and for all past right. present and future and uh while uh while we need to continue to confess our sins to maintain right. our fellowship with god first john 1 9 uh, -huh. uh we don't believe that we have to and and we don't take we don't see communion the mm -hmm. same way they receive see it as a receiving of grace right. so uh that may be the view that some of you hold, mm -hmm. uh, but that's where the concept of purgatory comes from, which is not a concept that is talked about explicitly in the 66 books of the Bible. Right. There is a uh, reference to the concept of purgatory that comes from Maccabees, I think it is, oh, in okay. the in the, the apocryphal, book. the apocryphal books mm -hmm. uh, written in the intertestamental period. Wow. So yeah, and the Apocrypha is a set of books that the Catholic Church has accepted in the Catholic Bible that are intertestamental. In other words, between Malachi and Matthew and the 400 years between the, the Old and New Testament, mm -hmm. which we would call the silent period yep. in church history. Um, but then there were some things like Book of Wisdom, Book of Maccabees, uh, several different books that they have that the Catholic Church has accepted. And as I understand it, they don't necessarily say they are scripture per se, but that they are inspired. Right, and yeah. that they are helpful. Yeah, I don't know uh, the distinction between that within the mm -hmm. official Catholic position, but they do accept the books, and in a Catholic Bible, you'll have the apocryphal books. The word apocryphal means hidden, mm -hmm. and it refers to books that were hidden because they had kind of unique ideas right. that were in them. Uh, for me, uh, and probably for you as well, the apocryphal books have historical value right. to them, but the Protestant Church doesn't consider them at the same level. Right. And so the concept of purgatory is not explicitly taught in the mm -hmm. 66 books of the Bible, the Protestant Bible, okay. but there is a spur, I would call it a very, uh, uh, a unique reference, and I think it's First Maccabees. Mm -hmm. uh, someone can, can, can respond back and clarify it. It's just not fresh in my mind mm -hmm. right now. So that's why there's an urgency to want to stay current. Right? Yes. To stay current, to stay confessed, stay on top of things, make sure you have your last rites administered as a Catholic so that you can avoid the whole purgatory thing, or at least spend a minimal amount of time there yeah. in preparation for the presence of God. And I think the concept that you've got to keep coming back to confession, you've got to keep receiving uh, c uh, grace through communion that can only be taken in the Catholic Church is where you get the idea you've got to continue working for it. Right. I don't think uh, the Catholics that I know would say that that's exactly how they would say it, that you're right. working for it, that none of your works in confessing or receiving communion mm -hmm. are works that are earning you salvation. Mm -hmm. you're, you're simply working it out and keeping it current, right? right? I hope that makes sense because I don't want to disc Gosh, my, yeah. my Catholic buddies because I think they, I think it got some really cool things going on. We just take a different view mm -hmm. of the concept of atonement right. and the once and for all. Boy, we could chase that all day because that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, to be, One of these days we need to talk about the idea of confession Confession, confession of sin, yeah. mm -hmm. the value of that, and how maybe in a lot of our uh, Protestant or you know yeah. evangelical churches, we're really missing something powerful miss it. Yeah. and beautiful in the idea of confessing our sins one to another, like Scripture encourages us to. So, but anyway, we're going to go ahead and move on here. So, we're talking about what happened. Uh, what happens if I die with Christ? What happens if I die without Christ? Mm -hmm. And then there are a number of other just sort of related, interesting issues that people tend to bring up quite a bit. Like for instance. Um, are our loved ones in heaven watching over us, right, from Abraham's bosom, right? Can they see what's going on on earth? Uh, are they observing us? Do we take comfort of that, or is it just creepy? Yeah, I think, uh, again, what, we, what, uh, what I find is when I get in my pastoral role, 
that I want to answer the question based upon what will comfort the person. Mm. But we're in a conversation like this where I can't see that person and it's just me and you and we have the Bible opened up, then we have a different conversation. So it's not meant to be impersonal, uh, but it's meant to try to like, what does the Bible actually say? When I lost my mom to pancreatic cancer, Mm -hmm. which is what caused me to write this book to begin with, uh, I basically said, okay, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of, I'm tired of the answer that I want to hear or you want to hear. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to know what really happened to my mother and what's really going on here. So the answer to the question uh, is that the scriptures does not uh, give us any sense mm-hmm. that our loved ones are watching over us right. uh, at all. Now, there there are some other encouraging things that the scripture doesn't get. The only possible illusion would be Hebrews 12, 1. It says we have this great cloud right, of witnesses. Cloud of witnesses uh-huh. uh, but I don't think that that's what that phrase means, a great cloud of witnesses. I think that simply means we've had a great number of people who have gone before us, mm-hmm. who've lived out their faith, because we just finished Hebrews chapter 11 right. of all these people who've shown us the way. Right, the faith we have a fame. great number mm-hmm. of people who have witnessed that the life of Christ right. is superior to the old life, which right. is the purpose of the book of Hebrews is. So I think that's a possible allusion to it, but mm-hmm. here's, here's my, my, my thought is the world we're living in today, think of with a pandemic and think of um, with uh, with the re- re- racial reconciliation stuff mm-hmm. that's really challenging uh, for people. Think of the political stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, um, do we really want our loved ones looking down <laughs> over this pain? Is that really very much heaven at right, all? With, yeah, or on the other flip side of that, do you really want grandma watching you do everything it is that you do? <clears throat> That's exactly right. That's certainly not heaven for her. That's not heaven for right. her. Yeah. And it's and it's really so so either as it looks, you know, looking at mm-hmm. our sinful lives or just looking at that's not really that beneficial to mm-hmm. them at all. They're with Jesus and that's enough for them. Right. But here is the good news. Here's the mm-hmm. what the Bible does say is that we do have a God right. who is watching over us. And I think that even more than even just more than that I do believe, because that's one of your questions, do we have guardian angels? Mm. And the answer to that question is absolutely yes. Hmm. I know that's kind of crazy. I kind of marked it so so I can give you the scripture references on this one if I can actually turn to my right little page here. Let's see if I can do that real quick. I always wondered if my guardian angel, you know, what what his uh, opinion was of the way I've handled my life, you know, if... (laughs) How, how close is he watching? I really would like to know. So here's here's the deal. Uh, I'll just read from my book. It says, uh, do we have guardian angels? The short answer is yes, we do have guardian angels. The passage of scripture stating it the clearest uh, is from the teaching of Jesus, Matthew chapter 18, verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face, their, their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Mm-hmm. But listen to this, we don't just have one, but a collection of them looking out for each believer personally, not just children. Hebrews chapter one, verse 14, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Mm-hmm. And so here's my deal, I, I, I go back to Ephesians chapter six and that there are spiritual, dark <coughs> spiritual right. forces in this world. Well, God has a heavenly host uh, that, that of, of, of heavenly host of angels and spirit beings that serve him that are massive in number. Mm-hmm. And and the Bible tells us that they are engaging in spiritual warfare with us right. and that they are watching over us and that they are serving those who inherit e- eternal who will inherit eternal life. And so I think that's super comforting. And I think we can all refer to times in our life it says, man, something mm-hmm. something's going on here. Now, what you need to understand is we don't 
that we don't have authority over our guardian angels. We can't tell them what to do. Uh, they uh, are completely at the will of God to come alongside and serve and protect us to unfold the will of God in our life. But I'm pretty confident that the scriptures would say we do. We do our loved ones probably aren't watching over us, right. and th- I really think that's the that's right. A, that's a good. It's a good thing. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to take away from people in a funeral. Mm-hmm. I know that you're watching over me because you know if I were to lose Roseanne, the idea that that right. we are with each other mm-hmm. brings me great comfort. But when I really think about it from a, from a, from a proper perspective, uh, I really, really would want Roseanne right. to be with Jesus apart from all the pain that I was suffering right. at her absence and knowing that she's okay. But I really want is a spiritual mm-hmm. spiritual forces mm-hmm. that have the power to do something right. about the situation. I'm well, you have the hope of a reunion with her and with your loved ones. That's right. And at the same time, we're not putting her through the ordeal of watching you struggle, yeah, right, with, which, the, with the remainder of your days. Um, but yet we have this angelic presence somehow that is looking after us and somehow interacting with our lives. And we don't really in- understand entirely what that looks like. It made me think of years ago, I read a book by a guy named Frank Peretti called This Present Darkness. Yeah, yeah, sure. Which talks a lot about the uh, sort of the spiritual realities are around and even in some way interact with our physical reality. And it's a lot of conjecture, but it's interesting to think about. And there's lots of books. I mean, Billy Graham wrote a book on angels a long time ago, and there's a lot of material out there about angels in the spirit world and how that interacts with us that um, I guess we're really going to get a good handle on on the other side. (laughs) I think, you know, I I may think of a certain, you know, if if we could have a certain black light that would show us, turn the light (laughs) out of the black light, I think we would be surprised at the level of the the different dimensions Mm -hmm. and the spirit world and all the warfare that is going on around us. Um, And I, I, I mean, the Bible talks about it overtly and I think that for those yeah. of us who inherit eternal life, uh, he's watching. He is watching over us. That's fascinating. Well, so on a real, so kind of a related topic. Yeah. Um, you know, at our house, we love animals. Yeah. Um, my wife uh, watches dogs, and we have a dog that we love. She's a me- member of the family. You know, she's a quirky little fuzzy ball of love, and uh, brings a lot of joy to our home. But a lot of people have this question. Mm-hmm. It's like, so when our pets die, which is a heart-wrenching, very difficult thing, people lose an animal, um, are we going to see that animal again? Is Does that animal have some sort of spiritual presence on the other side? Uh, let me tell you a couple things. Number one, if there was any living thing that would deserve to go to heaven on their own works, <laughs> it would be a dog. <laughs> I mean, I had a beagle for 18 years, never once. You it's know, a pure made, creature. Unbelievable. Cats, on the other hand, you know, I heard this phrase, you know, picture capture of this little kitty, kitty kitten, and it says, uh, you know, you know that if I were bigger, I would eat you, you know, yeah. I'm, a, I'm from the cat family. So, so I have nothing against cats. They taste like chicken. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, I'm getting in a lot of trouble here. We're going to get in let's, big trouble. Let's, let's a lot of comments part out. on this podcast. Uh, now, the deal, the, the, I, I remember talking to Randy Alcorn, who wrote a famous book called Heaven, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and, and I challenged him on, you know, why'd you call it heaven? Because that's confusing people. And he goes, and he actually says in the introduction, I shouldn't call this book heaven because it makes people think that, that the afterlife is really about being up in the sky. Oh, yeah. And he's really got it down. Great book, uh, Q&A book. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he, he dealt with this question. And, uh, he, you know, the goal is not to be uh, needlessly, uh, like, insensitive, like right? Capricious about capricious it. Capricious yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here, here's what we do know. Here's the... Here's, here's the, um, the the, the, the balance, okay? Mm-hmm. The, the scripture would be pretty clear that animals do not have 
a spirit mm-hmm. like we do. Uh, I use the word spirit and soul differently, so I use the word right. sp- spirit. They, they would um, use it in the form of a Dallas Willard concept. Right, right. Oh, it does not have a spirit that has eternal life, okay? And yet, and yet, when we come to the vivid image of the new kingdom, mm-hmm. we have animals that are there right. that aren't going to be eaten. Because I have, a, I am of the strong belief that um, that prior to the uh, the fall in uh-huh. in Genesis, uh, they did not eat uh, meat. One another, yeah. They did not eat one another, yeah. and then that was allowed. But uh, I believe if you want to know what the new kingdom is going to be like, go prior to G- Genesis 1 and 2, and you're going to basically see that there's right. going to be no more death in the eternal kingdom. Right. And I think by death, we're referring to death of things with blood, lifeblood mm-hmm. in them. Not plants. Not, not plants, right. but lifeblood in them. And mm-hmm. so I think these animals will live on. Right. So it's really interesting. So God doesn't answer yeah. the question. Uh, so we had a little beagle dog named Lady, and I still have a paw print of her in my office today. I have great memories of her. I don't remember all the time she tinkled on things she wasn't supposed to tinkle on. <laughs> but I have this great memory of her. She used to run with me, and I have this mm-hmm. and a little paw print. It the Bible doesn't it says that you know Lady does not have a spirit, mm-hmm. and so I didn't. I don't. I think that that she ceased to exist. Mm-hmm. But then I go into the eternal kingdom, and there's all of these animals who aren't going to be eaten, right. and the lion there's not lies gonna, down with the lamb. The lion right. lies down with the lamb. They're not going to eat each other, and uh, there's no death. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking. Wouldn't it be, and this is what Randy Alcorn said, wouldn't it be just like God mm-hmm. for me to get to the eternal, not heaven, up in the sky, right. not that, right. but down on the earth in the eternal kingdom, and wouldn't it be great if lady didn't pop up, either her, it really was her, I don't really know. Right. So I think that uh, we don't need to take this away from people that l- deeply love their pets, but yet be faithful to the scriptures. Uh, yeah. I think that there are going to be animals in the eternal kingdom, wouldn't it be mm-hmm. just like God? for there to be that super animal there in some form or fashion that you remembered. So this is a thing that came up a few years ago. There's a guy, uh, there's a guy, a wonderful thinker, his name is Rob Bell, and Mm -hmm. he wrote a book that kind of caused a stir quite a bit, it just that's because it was called Love Wins. And basically the the part of that book that was problematic for lots of evangelical leaders was this idea that he said, and he wasn't saying this is for sure what he was thinking. He just, he, it was almost like, wouldn't it be great if this was what it was like? That people had an opportunity on the other side of death to put their faith in Jesus. In other words, you know, the compelling love of God post mortem yeah. made salvation a possibility even then. Um, any thoughts on on that? Yeah, for you know, uh, first of all, I think Rob Bell is a very, very gifted and talented guy, and um, and I would certainly agree with him. Wouldn't that be great? Right. All you have to do to take this from a an intellectual conversation to a mm-hmm. personal conversation is just think of members of your family who have already passed away. And when we describe what the Bible talks about as the intermediate state of Hades, mm-hmm. and then what the Bible says in terms of the lake of fire, um, although you and I have you know you say the same view on that that we'll talk about right. next time, um, that's that should unnerve us, and we mm-hmm. should want, we should long for that to be the case. But for me, it goes completely against um, it goes completely against uh, everything I know about Scripture and the concept of faith. And I, I want you to respond to it as well, but I, I really do believe that if I were to see the absolute reality of things, I think that I would be more accepting 
uh, the uh, I would be more accepting of the reality that I don't want to be eternally separated and alone mm-hmm. more than I do want to have faith in God as my God. Right. I think what the big question of salvation is 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 faith in God. It is is God being God in your life and us being in community with Him, and that's the decision. Mm-hmm. It's not like looking at heaven and hell or the new kingdom and going, okay, now which one do you want? Now right. that you know for sure that it's real. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's really about the person of God. And again, right. I go back to C.S. Lewis' concept that mm-hmm. God doesn't send anybody to hell. Yeah. He merely honors their choice. So when I read the scriptures, even though, you know, and some would say that really matches the character of God, but at the mm-hmm. same time, though, you got to keep in mind that what also matches the character of God is, is creating a place um, where it's filled with truth and it's filled mm-hmm. with forgiveness. You would say, why doesn't God just let anybody in at the end of the day that haven't been washed in the blood of Christ? Now, right. Rob would probably say they could be washed clean in the blood of Christ in this in this post-mortem right. sort of position. Uh, it's because no one, we, God doesn't want us to live in a community where sins uh, are rampant, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always say, you, know, why, why, you know, why do my sins have to be, why doesn't he just forgive me right. and let me continue to live the way I want to live? Because the ultimate vision of God is for us to be in community right. uh, with him and other people where we live out the fruit of the Spirit mm-hmm. in, in, in front of each other. I like that you brought up uh, C.S. Lewis's book. Um, well, he's he's written on this topic quite a bit, but the book The Great Divorce. Yes. And uh, fundamentally, what Lewis is saying is that basically your 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 choices become your character, right? Your character becomes kind of your essence, your being. So you sort of become ultimately the choices that you have made. Yeah. And so God gives you what you want. If you want the with God life, you get it. If you want the without God life, you get it, mm-hmm. and you get everything that comes along with it. Yeah. And you make those choices here, and they become who you are on the other side. So Lewis would say that the gates of hell are locked from the inside, Yeah, um, that people aren't there because they're like not banging on the doors, I, I want out, I want to go out, how can I, you know, it's not like that. It's, yeah. it's something else. There's something that changes in mm. your, I guess, in your nature that makes that inevitability sort of like the logical conclusion. Yeah. Um, so we can talk more about that when we get, get to things next week. But um, all that to say that I've, I've wrestled with that question too. And I read Rob's book and I really liked it and I've always enjoyed him, but I just can't get there from Scripture the way he does. Yeah, I would like to, and I, I know a number of people progressively, even recently in Kansas City, that are moving in that direction. And right. I don't, I, I mean, I don't, I mean, I, that's what I would like to see mm-hmm. be the case for people that I know. It would know. be great to be wrong. Right? It would be great to be wrong. Right. But, man, I don't want to espouse this because I don't think that I'm wrong on this one. Right. If we believe that the Scriptures is <clears throat> is accurate, I mean, so Jesus went through all this, and at the end of the day, you know, I don't know. Well, and also just the kingdom begins now. It's not then, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, you can live in the kingdom of God now. Right, so why live a life, a godless life, your whole life, thinking, oh, I just, I'm just going to make some other choice on the other side of what, possibly on the other side of death, when God is calling to you now to live in relationship with Him now? Why? So, there's a lot of inconsistency, because, incongruence. In because that it's idea. not fundamentally that person wants to live their own life the way they want to live it, the right. sin, the character of their life, and they're basically saying, yeah, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. if I can live my life as God right. and I can do what I want, and at the end of the day, I'm going to, you know, I heard this pastor and he said, at the end of the day, I'm going to get a chance to make a second decision when I actually see it all, and I don't have another choice right. to live this life anymore. The only one that's left is this one or this one. I'm going to choose this one. Um, that's not the decision. God's 
not here for us to right. sort of. Uh, this is all about God. Right. You're this not, is, it's not. You're not gambling. You're like placing your bets and holding the card out yeah. for you know the afterlife. Yeah, this yeah. is not, God's not a genie in the bottle who basically is here to make sure you don't get hurt. I mean, this is fundamentally about mm-hmm. God is supreme right. and in the vision of God. This is not about him, you know, like you live the way, this is about faith. Right. I think that's what Lewis would say too, is is that ultimately you want something else to be God, whether mm-hmm. it's your own will or it's some other thing that you desire. But you don't you don't want God and God's gentleman, right? If you want him, you get him. If you don't want him, you don't get him. And you get whatever that other thing is you think you want. Yeah. Um, and that spins off into eternity. And so I mean that's anyway, if you've never read The Great Divorce, it's yeah, a great, it's a great book, book. Yeah. Uh, about a bus ride to hell. Yeah. It's very interesting. So a couple other things. Well we've got a little bit more time and, and uh, Randy came off a plane, you know, just yesterday, so he's probably he's probably a little out of gas. But um, good. um so we talked about are our loved ones watching over us? Um, can people believe after death? Here's a very interesting one. What do you think about ghosts? Yeah, good. And I'll, and now you know. To, so we maybe get a little bit. Of, uh, I'll try not to be uh, so verbose on them, so we maybe can get through as many of these okay. with at least a little <laughs> bit more of a popcorn. But what do I think about ghosts? The answer is: Are there any? Are there such a thing as ghosts? The answer is mm-hmm. yes. Uh, there are ghosts. I know your know, parents say, "Oh, there's no such thing as ghosts." There are ghosts. Uh, now, <laughs> don't what, let your kids listen to this I know, podcast. I know. But here's yeah. what we, we mean, what we mean by ghosts. And again, I'm coming from the scriptures. Okay, <clears throat> so we know that there are spirit beings. Okay, mm-hmm. and so if you think of spirit beings as being you know beings without bodies mm-hmm. then that you know that's one form of ghost uh uh angels okay right. human beings are not angels but we have spirits right mm-hmm. and um we know that the scripture talks about this and i i can't recall all that i wrote in my book mm-hmm. uh but boy if you got it you could get a little bit more insight <laughs> into it uh <laughs> And uh, but the idea is that we have in we have human encounters of spirits, and you probably know the famous one in the Old Testament where Saul is mm-hmm. uh, is 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 wanting to speak to the spirit of mm-hmm. Samuel. Right, is and that the witch of Endor? The witch of Endor. Yeah. He goes to the witch of Endor, and they call up <clears throat> the spirit of Samuel. Right, and. Uh, and uh, that is, you know, you can turn that in any way you want to, but unless you denounce the scriptures as a as an in, uh, you know invalid encounter or, or whatever uh, of, of, of God's truth, then th- that's probably a really clear example. And the scriptures, uh, I don't have them right on the top of my head, strongly encourages that we stay away right. from medians and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. So if, if the scriptures is on numerous occasions inviting us to stay away right. from that stuff it must mean it's because it's 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 true right it's bad news and it's you know what what are the possibilities that you're being duped you know that you're being deceived somehow because if, if we believe that there are spiritual beings like angels and they have some sort of influence on us and maybe interaction with us then the inverse of that is probably true as well that there are demons yeah. fallen angels yeah. who have a presence and who are out for your destruction. That's right. They they come from the father of lies. They're they all about destruction and deceit. Yeah. And uh, surely, God is saying, "Hey, don't mess with this stuff. You don't know what you're goofing around with." I would say for the for the parent who has a kid 
uh, says, oh, you know, two of my pastors have said there's ghosts, so my kid, he said, no, there's not any ghosts. I think when you're, <laughs> what your kid is referring to is they're in their room where you have Jesus at the center of your life. Jesus owns your home. Uh, I think you can clearly tell your kids that there ain't no bad ghost right. in this place. Nothing's yeah. under your bed. Yeah, there's nothing under your bed whatsoever. We know it. this place belongs to Jesus. But in reality, there are spirit beings. Now, we're not talking about human beings, mm-hmm. uh, even though we just mentioned that, but it's primarily spirit beings, angels right. and demons uh and uh they they are all over the place and uh and then i think there are uh somehow or another there is the ability i don't get it uh it's again the scripture doesn't talk a lot about it mm-hmm. uh but stay away right. when the bible makes it clear like stay away right. from any of that um when you talk about like for instance when i was a kid the, i don't know if it's still a thing anymore but there's a game called a ouija board yeah Right, stay, and it was supposedly you're calling on the spirits to talk to you from the other world, and it's like, I don't know if you want to invite that kind of thing into your life, you know. And uh, there's lots of books out there and people who experience, even as Christ followers, different kinds of oppression, yeah, from evil, dark forces, and it's just like, don't even open up that door. Greater is He who is in you than He who is in the world. But if you invite it in, it will probably be invited. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, stuff. It's beyond my pay grade, but right. I tell you, it's real. Stay away from it. So, um, is it okay to be cremated? Uh, the answer, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. I do believe it's okay to be cremated. Let me give you my uh, response to that. I do believe that um, all of the people who died, let's say, 200 years ago that are in the grave, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you've heard ashes to ashes, dust to dust, right. meaning that you started with ashes and dust, you're going right. to end up there. So all of those bodies are totally back to dust again, right? right. So how is God going to recreate mm-hmm. you know, a resurrected body out of dust? Well, you know, we know today that God is really amazing and that we know about DNA. Mm-hmm. And God has the mathematical formula <laughs> for the DNA of Troy Kennedy. He's got the blueprint. Yeah. So, you know, I like to, for people who like to watch movies, just go to go to Jurassic Park. You uh-huh. know, the first right. Jurassic Park movie, they got the uh, right. they got blood uh, out of the uh, the behind of a mosquito and right. they had the DNA of a dinosaur and they were able to recreate a dinosaur. I know that's uh, maybe a little bit of a stretch, but I think it's the same idea mm-hmm. as that uh, God is is uh, not against science. God is the creator of science. I'm gonna make a quote this Sunday about Einstein, about uh, people, uh, it's really kind of cool uh, mm-hmm. and I'll save it for that, but the, uh, the idea, the notion is that um, uh, is that God is going to be able to recreate us. He's a mm-hmm. he's a mathematical genius, right. and he's got the formula for our resurrected body. Well, and I'll yeah. also say <laughs> that uh, uh, that to, to to say that a person who is cremated, uh, you know, is going to somehow miss the resurrection mm-hmm. or somehow displease God and go to hell, uh, I, I I would call your attention to the martyrs, you know, mm-hmm. who were burned at the stake. And uh, and uh, with, yeah. without question, the depth of their faith and all that. I mean, they believe Jesus mm-hmm. to the to the depth of their being. God's not going to have any problem right. with them in the resurrection. Now, I will say to a person who in uh, in in the Book of Romans it tells us that if a person feels really strongly about something, even though it's not in the law of the Word of God, you feel really strong about uh, not being cremated, then don't be cremated, right. and I will be respectful of you in that regard. Well, certainly, you know, God made Adam out of the dust, so Mm -hmm. he could certainly bring you back out of the dust if if that was necessary. And uh, yeah, but there's a lot of questions. A lot of people wonder about about that. It's a conflict for them because they hear different messages in different kinds of churches. And so um, to the best of our ability, we're trying to lead you in a 
yeah. and a redeeming path and say, God is God, and he can do anything. Mm-hmm. And he can certainly bring you back and, and give you the new resurrected body, which is kind of what we're, one of the things we're talking about. Jesus was kind of the firstborn from among the dead. He was the first one to get that resurrection exactly body. Right. So what do we know about the nature of that resurrection body, if anything, that we ultimately inherit? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, my response would be the, the, the thing that we most can point to that's solid is to look at anything we learn from the resurrected body of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we're at. So, uh, you know, what are a couple things that we learned? You can even help me with this. Number one, uh, we learn, it was really quite interesting. One of the things I ponder is that, uh, you know, Mary mm-hmm. and the two guys on the road to Emmaus didn't right. recognize him. Right. And uh, now, it could be because they weren't looking for him. I mean, maybe he had a hood on, right. a hoodie. Uh, hmm. uh, there, there's something that gives me, uh, it doesn't say, so I'm just extrapolating. Mm-hmm. Something gives me a pause to say something is different right. about the different body. enough. Different enough. Yeah, yeah. And for for many people listening or watching, they're going, kind of "Thank God, I don't want to look like this for all eternity. I'm hoping uh-huh. for some modifications." Right. You know, but there was a sense that it doesn't say it, but there's something right. about they did not recognize him. Right. And uh, Could even have to Tom- do with age or something. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. yeah. Th- Thomas had to, you know. T- I don't, I don't think it says that Thomas ever actually did touch him, but he said, "Hey, I want you to touch it." Mm-hmm. You're like, "Well, why?" I mean, he's Jesus. So mm-hmm. there's something that says that maybe there's a bit of a somewhat of an alteration of, mm-hmm. uh, maybe the it's an age or somehow. Yeah, maybe you know, because uh, you know, uh, Brady Alcorn pondered, "Is there a, you know, there's not? A, is there going to be aging? Mm-hmm. And is there an optimal age?" And he actually poses something like 25. You know that maybe we're all going to go right. back to 24 or up to 25. It's just it's just extrapolation. Right. As all it is, folks, is extrapolation. Right. Uh, we also know about the body of Jesus is that um, is that he could be in uh, he could be in a different place without going there. You know, so right. he could he could walk through a door. The doors were locked, and suddenly he's in the room. Right, he's in the room. Uh, the road to Emmaus. You know, mm-hmm. he stays by. The other guys are running back to Jerusalem. Right. You know, and all of a sudden Jesus walks into the door. So I think something about our resurrected bodies mm-hmm. are going to enable us to enjoy the new earth in a way right. that is a little bit more like some of the sci-fi mm-hmm. shows that we watch. I hate to tell you, <laughs> where we're going to be able to enter and enter and out of different dimensions of some sort. Right. I'm just again extrapolating about the body. Um, and at the same time, Jesus ate. And right. yet he ate, and there's there the unless it's uh, allegorical, metaphorical. I mean, very clearly in Isaiah and in the in the in the, in the wedding feast of the Lamb. Well, I mean, and with the apostles, even after. Oh, that's right. He ate. He, no, he, yeah, no, he, he, he ate. cooks then, breakfast yeah. for them on the beach, and they they sit down and they they have you know breakfast with them. It's like. Well, that rewires you if you yeah. have breakfast with the guy who was just buried and you know crucified a little bit ago, and yet he comes back and he somehow there's something redeeming about the, the physicality of that. You know, and I would say um, you know to, add, to just add one layer to this. I mean, so those are some specifics mm-hmm. about the body, and this should be super encouraging to the person who is aging or in chronic pain because all of that's going to be absent, you know, mm-hmm. um, and blindness will be fixed. We know that because right. we know that being <clears throat> right. lame will be fi- – all that's going to that, – that's got to be so encouraging mm-hmm. to a lot of people. I, th- I think there might be some physical modifications 
generations. There might be some sort of universal age of some sort. I don't right, know. Right. Uh, we it's know that there's, there's eating. Yeah. There's uh, this or that because we, we can tackle the family question here in a minute yeah. to, ta- to, tapple, to tag on to that. Um, but I think the the thing that is, is someone says it's just it's hard to believe mm-hmm. that God's going to recreate my body, and I just say, well, look at your body that you have now. If if could, can you possibly explain how he pulled this off? <laughs> you know, my my son is dating a neurologist, and that's like a really smart oh, doctor. Yeah. You know, with all the brain stuff, mm-hmm. and just it's endless the 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 makeup of our body and how it is all working. And if you would ever believe, it's just too fantastic to believe that God could create a human body to function with its systems and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. And say, if he did it once, he can do it again. Yeah. And 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 even make this one imperishable. Mm-hmm. So I just think that even though this is more of a technical conversation the reality is should bring us hope this should bring us joy this should bring us just a sense of peace in our right. life well and that it goes against uh you know early history they talked about the, they called it a gnostic heresy which mm-hmm. meant that the spirit world was what was good and the physical world was what was corrupt what yeah. was bad and jesus comes back in a physical body eats physical food has physical interactions and then promises us all imperishable physical bodies ultimately in the kingdom that means that the physical world isn't all it's redeemable that's exactly right, right. it's beautiful it's a good thing that we're made like this and ultimately it's going to be uh, as it was meant to be right Absolutely meant to be, and it's just really amazing that the second person of the Trinity was Spirit, and he took on flesh and became one of us. And at his, and when he was finished with his assignment here, he did not lose his body, Mm -hmm. uh, but rather gained a resurrected body. Which his first body was the body that he got from Adam, right? Uh, And uh, and therefore, it's why it had to, it had to, it had to. To actually die, yeah, died, yeah. Uh, but his new body, and he maintained a physical, a physical presence. One more thing about the life of Jesus that is interesting, that I think may be unique to Jesus, and not to us, is that he did maintain the nail prints. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, that would be just great yeah. for everyone to ponder. Yeah, why the, the spear mark in his side? Yeah, and he and told nail prints, Thomas. Yeah. Told him he says, "Here, touch the you know." So mm-hmm. somehow or another, in the perfection of his body, is that Jesus alone? Just so when we're walking on the new earth, not up in the heavens, but right. when we're walking on the new earth and we see Jesus, uh, that he'll maintain that just as a constant reminder. I don't know. I mean, at this point, we're just speculating. Right. But he did uh, maintain that. Well, you know, and you're kind of telegraphing a little bit of. I'm sure it's going to be a future podcast, a future series on this idea of what was the nature of Jesus on this earth. Randy's just uh, oh. finishing, finished a book yes. on this. What's the name of that new book coming His out? Mighty Strength. His Mighty Strength. Walk Daily in the Same Power that Raised Jesus from the Dead. Yes. comes out March 16th. Yeah, very exciting. So it deals with some of these really kind of heady ideas, and Randy puts some handles on them for all of us so that we can talk about. Going to preach a series on it. Four series. Yep. It's after Easter. The the Sunday after Easter, we're going to do four messages, Mm -hmm. and uh, in the primary goal is to teach you how to tap into the same power that raised Jesus from the dead because he didn't raise himself from the dead. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And so <laughs> and and he basically says that same power is in it, it, that 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 raised right. him from the dead uh, is in you and we're going to show you how to tap into it but in showing you we're going to talk to you about the kind of nature right. that that Jesus took on yeah. uh, in, in that 33 years he walked the earth. So really exciting, Woo! really cool stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. Be looking forward to that. So a couple more questions yep. as we mm-hmm. start to wrap this yep. thing mm-hmm. up. Um, you, you alluded to it a second ago. So family and ultimately 
marriage, yes. right? Those kinds of relationships. If we have a physical body of some kind, but it's not necessarily sexual. What I mean, what? How does all that work? Yeah, this is the teaching of Jesus, where you know the, the person's married multiple right. times. Right. Who's going to be their partner in in the new kingdom? Mm-hmm. And I'm married uh, by brothers, 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 yeah, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's going to be the deal? And of course, the people are asking the question. Uh, don't even believe in the resurrection, right? So they're trying to trip Jesus up on a completely yeah. different topic. Um, but. Um, but you know, basically, Jesus makes it very clear that in the eternal kingdom, there's not going to be mm-hmm. uh, the traditional husband and wife. That in somehow or another, and this is the great mystery that Paul talks about in mm-hmm. Ephesians five. And somehow or another, Jesus is the groom, and we are the bride. And somehow or another, that image of family continues on a new kingdom, but it has a different look to it. Yeah. So the idea, am I going to be this? And this really bugs me because I like Roseanne a lot. I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, we uh, we can't imagine ever being a part you know because we became one and so the idea that i won't be roseanne's husband in Mm -hmm. the eternal kingdom is a real bummer conceptually for me right now Uh, but i am trusting uh, that Jesus is pretty excited about being married to Jesus in the new kingdom. I'm, um, you know, uh, I, I'm struggling with the idea, mm-hmm. but trying to be faithful to the scriptures. Right. There's a new concept emerging in the new kingdom about family mm-hmm. and about headship and about Jesus and the bride that's different than here. This mm-hmm. is a mirror of what's to come. Right. Something is different about it, and I don't know exactly what it is, but Jesus seemed to state pretty clearly it, there's not going right. to be the traditional uh, marriage between a man and a woman. And however that works out, it's not going to fe- it's not going to be a loss. We're not going to be mourning right. the, the relationship or the marriage or whatever the thing is. You know, it's going to be something even better than we have imagined. That is exactly right, and that's where my experience with God up to this point. Even though I so love the concept of marriage that God gave, and I've been married to Roseanne forty years this year, and we dated for five years, and I I would be super happy and carrying that deal. I am one hundred, and even though it bums me out now, and I get a little anxious about it, mm-hmm. uh, the reality is, uh, and I think I should be because. The oneness is so strong between us, just like you and Gwen. But the reality is, I so trust that what God, you know, you know, it, it has on in store for right. us is better. Right. Okay. So one last one. Okay. And because uh, it's been really, really rich, but we can't go away without asking this question: How can you be sure that you go to heaven when you pass? This is probably the favorite chapter I have in, in the book, and it's entitled, Is Jesus Enough? Mm-hmm. And I would encourage people to to, uh, to look at the whole chapter because uh, when my mom was dying of pancreatic cancer, I was going to try to – and they talk about it in the book – I was going to take her on an all-expense-paid-for trip to the Niagara Falls, and, and she died three days before when the doctor told me, you need to help your mom die, you're not going to Niagara Falls which now I know the trip has just been postponed. It's right. not been canceled because, you, you know, the, oh man, you read Revelation 21, 20, 20, Revelation 22, uh-huh. and uh, that's going to that's gonna way beat the Niagara Falls. <laughs> yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the water crystal clear flowing right. from the throne of God no through the middle of the city. Seen, no ear has yeah. heard, no mind conceived, but yeah. God has prepared for those who love him. Yeah, I mean, the water coming from the throne of God, that's, yeah. gonna, that's gonna be fine. So my mom and I are gonna do that trip after <laughs> all. But you know, I, I basically said, okay, because my mom said, uh, when she trusted Christ, I was 17 when, my mom, when she was 39 when she trusted Christ. Mm-hmm. She didn't go to church. My, my dad would not have really uh, been a big fan of her doing that, and so she read her Bible, but she was she was uh, not as spiritually mature as she could have been if she had been a part of the body of Christ. And I think she was a little afraid, quite a bit afraid. And so she just said, Randy, is it enough? You know, she was referring to that yeah. confession she made to Jesus. 
And I said to her in the moment, she, and, and uh, the, yeah, mom, it's enough. But then I, I got alone with God later and I said, listen, okay, if there is anything else, because there's a couple passages of scripture that mm-hmm. really, you know, you know, persevering to the end and things like right. that. I go, if there's, if, if there's works, you know, uh, you need to let me know now because I've got maybe a couple days to get my mom the new intel. I'm, I'm ready for something other than grace if there's more right. that, that needs to be done and I can do. And I, I took all the passages of Scripture uh, in the New Testament that talked about speci- the explicit question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Mm-hmm. And I laid them side by side and just looked at the explicit answer mm-hmm. to the question. And they all came. They all had a couple of little uniquenesses to them. So sometimes there's water baptism involved and sometimes there's not. Right. But at the end of the day, I felt like Romans 10, 9 and mm-hmm. 10 was the best descriptor of all of them because it has these two elements in it. Uh, that mm-hmm. what we must do. Salvation right. is in the hands of Jesus. Mm-hmm. His blood is what actually saves us, okay? We don't save ourselves. So nothing we say right. or nothing we do saves us, but there are two things that Romans says, and, mm-hmm. and you wrote it down here. If, we conf- if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that one believes and is justified or made right with God. Mm-hmm. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Yeah. So there's two elements. One, there's the heart, which you know Dallas Willard believes is right. the. It, I'm not know why I'm pushing to the heart here. It's just the center <laughs> it's of in our. There be- somewhere. It's the center of our being. It's the executive yeah. center. It's our will. It's mm-hmm. our spirit. And basically, that's where we really. That's our spirit. That's where we really exist. And it could be here. It could be here. I don't know where it's at. But mm-hmm. this is spirit, and maybe it's not a physical thing, right? It's a spirit, mm-hmm. and uh, that's where the real us exists. Mm-hmm. And when we believe in our heart, not just in our head, that. Jesus Jesus is the right answer, but believe in our heart that he is the Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. And then there is a confessional part to this, so it's a private part, and then there is a public part. Mm -hmm. And the public part is confessing with your mouth, meaning that you have to let people know. You have to not hide it. You have to let it out. It doesn't mean you need Billy Graham or flaming evangelist or whatever. Mm -hmm. It just means that you cannot be ashamed. You You have to express it. And so for some people, and this is where I take it, for some people that's at baptism. You know, that's where mm-hmm. we now have evidence in a court of law that you went public for Jesus. Right. And so I would say for a person who wants to accept, you know, wants this wonderful life that we've talked about, is that those are the two things that one must engage in. Jesus will do the saving, mm-hmm. but these are the two things you must do. And so I ask the question to everybody listening, have you done that? Yeah. And in a way, you could almost say that if, if you've believed with your heart, why wouldn't you confess with your mouth? Right. So it would be, it's almost like the natural outcome of placing the weight of your identity and your eternity in God's hands. Truly, if you're really trusting him, the natural outcome is that it's, it's going to pour out of well, you. Well, Luke 6, Jesus, I think it's Luke 6 says, you know, basically what pours out of the mouth is coming from the heart. Right. So if in the heart truly believes, what it means is that there are a number of people, Jesus said, will come to the end and they said, Lord, Lord, but I never mm-hmm. knew you. It means that it didn't emanate from their heart. Right. And there's a number of people who might have heard the gospel message in America because we have sometimes cheapened the concept of grace. Mm-hmm. You've heard the phrase from Dietrich Bonhoeffer and others. We've cheapened mm-hmm. the concept of grace and their thoughts are, hey, I'm gonna say this prayer because it gets my relatives off my back and what if it happens to be true? I'm covered Mm -hmm. then, I got my my insurance plan. 
I think that that person's going to be a bit surprised. I'm not the right. judge of that, but I think if they're saying, ah, I'm just going to ha- hedge my bets and say this mm-hmm. prayer, it's just a bunch of words, I don't care. If it's not emanating from the right. heart, the true spirit of a mm-hmm. person, I'm not sure how genuine it is. Well, and the confession isn't just, you know, thank you, Jesus. The confession is Jesus is Lord. Lord. So that's And Lord. I am not. Submission. That's yes. lordship. That's your God and I am not. With the intent to turn in the, which is the word repent, right. uh, which uh, Acts 2.38 uses, and I line that one up as well. The word repent means with, with the heart, he's Lord. Right. Uh, you're declaring he's Lord, meaning you're going to follow him. Right. So repent means turn mm-hmm. in, a, in, in a direction with the intent. I've had several people that I've led to the Lord yeah. uh, that I, I've told them this, and uh, but they were convinced. Uh, I won't mention any names where they just basically said, I'm going to have Randy, he's a pastor, help me lead me through this prayer, but they had no intent mm-hmm. of changing. They just thought, if I say this prayer and get baptized, and had no intent of actually changing the pathway of their life, mm-hmm. and they haven't. Uh, I think this, God's going to be the judge of this, but I think at the end, there's going to be, but wait a minute, I remember that day I said, Lord, Lord, and he goes, you didn't, you, you, right. you know, you didn't, you know, I look in your heart, man looks on the outward appearance, mm-hmm. but I look on the heart. I don't right. mean to freak people out because that can get you into a problem with, you know, with, uh, you know, John Bunyan of Pilgrim's Progress who believed, <laughs> you know, who struggled with election, right. you know, like, man, I don't know if, if my conversion is genuine here. I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm elect. That's a whole other right. topic. I guess that's probably going to be something we'll talk about yeah, in the future. Yeah, sure it will. I'll let you do that one. Well, by 1 myself. John 1, 9, right, says if you, uh, you know, we have written these things, not 1 John 1, 9, but in 1 John it says, I've written these things that you may know that you have eternal life. In yep. other words, you can be confident as you have confessed with your mouth the lordship of Jesus in your life and you know in your heart that you've repented and you've turned towards him as God versus yourself as God. You don't have any reason to be insecure. We're not trying to create any kind of insecurity. We're trying to give you confidence yep. in your salvation that you have turned your heart in the direction of the Savior and you're putting your weight of your trust on his goodness and not on your own. Yeah. And our encouragement is if you haven't done that, and if you want help with that, man, that's the number one reason why we exist and why we're here is to populate the kingdom of God. And we would love to hear from you. You know, if you're watching on YouTube, you can reply in the comments. If you're watching or listening to us on Podbean or Apple, you can um, you can reply. There are comments there, and we would love to hear from you, not only just to hear your stories about what God has done in your life, and maybe you're taking steps towards Him as a result of this, but also we're looking for for your comments. We're looking for your questions, things that might inform future podcasts, future topics. Maybe we uh, we left a blind spot here for you. We created a little confusion unnecessarily. We would like to know so that we can help maybe rectify that down the road. So we love the fact that we get to share a bit of this journey with you and we look forward to doing it again. Next week, you're going to want to come back because we're going to be talking about the end times. Apparently, a lot of people are very interested in the end times and what exactly does that look like? And we've been alluding to that this whole podcast. So really look forward to that. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. So we're going to take a quick, a little break here, and then we're going to do this little, we're going to telegraph something. Mm -hmm. So uh, why don't we talk about what happens if I die with Christ just for a few minutes? Does that sound okay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So this is our teaser for... uh, you think so? Yeah, okay, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. That's probably a more. That's yeah. I was going to say, you know, guardian angels right. and pets are like the more uh, the the common the questions right. I get asked the most. We could do that. Uh, we we'll just do that. Uh, that be a little bit of a teaser. Yeah, okay. I think so. Okay. I think uh, I, I I think so. Yeah. Okay. All right. So here we go. Ready? 
Randy, there are a ton of questions that people ask, all related to this idea of the afterlife. And as Christ followers, what do we believe? Things like we talk about pets, we talk about guardian angels, we talk about cremation. I mean, really, like, like for instance, guardian angels. We seem to get alluded to that in scripture, but what's the real deal? Well, here's the thing. I think that people are going to think right now, because I love the Bible, that, that, you know, that I'm going to immediately say there's no such thing as guardian angels. That's what you get <laughs> in, uh, you know, it's a wonderful life. Mm-hmm. But in reality, <laughs> yeah, Clarence, yeah. In, yeah, Clarence, remember, <laughs> in reality, the scripture teaches from the lips of Jesus, uh, as well as in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, uh-huh. that not only do we have a guardian angel, but we have a host of guardian angels, not a person outside of God. Those who will inherit eternal life, the book of Hebrews chapter one says, those who inherit eternal life, uh, actually God assigns several hosts of angels to watch over you. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you might have already suspected it. You have guardian angels. Well, I need all the help I can get. So bring it on, okay, (laughs) Clarence, you're welcome at my house anytime. <laughs> I would love to hear from you because seriously, Clarence, I'm, I'm in. Um, okay, and another thing that comes up very often is people talk about their pets. I mean, I have a dog. Her name is Molly. We love her. She is a fantastic creature. She brings such a wonderful, loving presence. And But before we had Molly, years ago, we, I had what was my real, honestly, my very first dog. Her name was Sheba. Mm-hmm. And um, she was my dog. <laughs> you know, I had her for 12 years. She was a black lab. And she was fantastic. Yeah. Just such a wonderful creature. And, you know, when she when she passed, I was just wrecked. Yeah. I mean, it was really, yeah, really, yeah. really hard. One of the hardest things I've ever experienced. And, you know, a lot of people have a lot of hope for their, their pets, their animals on the other side, but really what does scripture have to say? Yeah, it's what does scripture have to say? So uh, I had the same kind of experience with a beagle dog uh, and uh, have just a great uh, I, I've maintained all the good memories and not the bad ones, and uh, and I and, and I also believe that if there was any animal that would ever earn uh, <laughs> it the was right, lady, to, right, it was it was it was a dog. I mean, yeah, dogs are most incredible. Creature, yeah. So I, I guess so. Here's let me let me just summarize. Number one, the scriptures teaches that the uh, the animals do not have spirits, and so therefore they cannot inherit eternal life. Um, and, but at the same time, when we look at the eternal kingdom on mm. earth. Uh, we see that in fact a lion is laying with the lamb. We see in fact uh, that there are animals in the new kingdom, yeah. and we know that they're not going to die. So all we have to ask is, it would it be wouldn't it be just like God mm-hmm. uh, to have uh, either Lady or Molly mm-hmm. or a replica or something like that? But right. we know that there will be animals for eternity in the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. But we also know that the, that our current pets do not have spirits, right. and so therefore uh, somehow God I think is going to reconcile that for right. all of us. And whatever it is, whatever the answer is, it's not going to feel like a loss no. to us. We're not going to be mourning something on the other side because what God has for us is so much better than anything we can imagine. Yeah, that's right. Man, well, we're going we're gonna to talk about a lot of interesting topics in this podcast. Yeah. We're going to talk about what it happens if I die with Christ, what happens if I die without Christ. And so we would invite you to join us as we wrestle with a bunch of these very, very um, weighty and at the same time kind of fascinating Mm -hmm. topics dealing with what happens after you die. We look forward to meeting with you on this episode of our podcast. Go to Westside Podcast. We hope the conversation has challenged you and perhaps sparked some new ideas. If you'd like some additional notes and helpful links, visit the episode page at westsidefamily.church slash podcast. 
And if you have questions, we'd love to hear them. Our last episode of the season, we'll devote an entire show to your questions. So you can also tell us what topics you'd like to hear and discuss in the future. Thank you for joining us today and God bless you.